Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm Clarissa Christensen. And today, we're going to be talking about breathing. And you know, the very first book I ever read about mindfulness was called Breathe, You Are Alive, which I think is a wonderful title, but what would I expect other than from Vishnath Nahan, probably the greatest teacher of our time, who sadly passed away recently. But today I'm joined by a guest who works in the field of functional breathing. She is an advanced oxygen advantage instructor. She'll have to tell me much more about that and a free driver. Welcome to the show, Tracy House. Thank you very much, Clarissa. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's lovely to meet you. And we've had a quick chat before we went on to this episode. And I'm so fascinated by this whole field that you work in, which is functional breathing. Maybe begin at the beginning. How did you get involved with functional breathing and what is it? So functional breathing is all about how the body moves when we breathe and the interaction of CO2 and oxygen in the blood and how that chemical um, reaction affects the rest of the body, so the brain, the nervous Mm. system, everything. Um, How I got into it, it was initially not something that I sought out as a career option. Um, about five years ago, I started having severe panic attacks, and which really affected my sleep, and my anxiety levels increased quite dramatically, as you could imagine. And it's interesting because I've spoken to so many people, and those that have found breathwork or meditation have had quite similar experience to myself where you have these unexplained occurrences where you consider yourself a fairly healthy individual, no serious health conditions. So it kind of, it really sideswipes you in terms of, you know, your health and it it makes you feel, you know, uncomfortable. Like there is something that you have no control over. Yeah. And a family member recommended meditation to me. And I'd never done meditation in my life. I had no idea what it, what it was, what it felt like. You know, you just, you know, it's something of interest. You, how would you know? No. So I'm not someone to do anything by halves. So I, I found a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And I thought, well, if I'm going to learn how to do it, I may as well do it properly. So here we go. And yeah. it was a Vipassana retreat, oh, which yes. is um, some people call it the boot camp of meditation because you really 
fighting with your mind the whole time, but it can mm. be incredibly powerful. And it was for yes. me. And yeah. that was my first foray into the power of nasal breathing, because that is what mm. the passion is based on. And yes. that was where my story started in 2017. Wow. Yeah. And that's quite hardcore. I'd say as a meditation and mindfulness teacher, I have to say, Tracy, that usually we don't say to people, dive into Vipassana because it is hard. I mean, mm. 10 days in pretty much silence, focusing on things like your breath is is really confronting actually for the Western mind who has probably never done that before. <laughs> It felt like, yeah, the first few days were a shock to the system. You know, I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning. We were meditating for up to eight hours a day. And by sort of day six, I was really at the end of my tether. And I remember, you know, you are allowed to speak to the instructor for a few minutes every day other than but nobody else. And I just yeah. said to them, I said, it's not working. Why is it not working? Like there was this expectation that something would happen. And he just said to me, just take it one day at a time. He was very calm, very patient. He said, don't think of the end result, just be present. And you know that is a very challenging um, place to try to be if you have a typical oh, yeah. racing mind, you're very anxious. And I came out of that experience you know, by sort of day eight, I think I, I guess you could say I had a breakthrough. <laughs> Maybe I just, my nervous system calmed down and I just kind of surrendered to it. And yeah, yeah, I made some pretty big life-changing decisions afterwards and it has brought me to where I am today. Yeah, and I think that's very true that when we do give ourselves a chance to stop and reflect and go inward, we do often make big changes in our lives. I mean, sometimes people have been said, oh, I ran away from a Vipassana retreat. It's not uncommon. But if you stay the course as you did, Tracy, as you said, it was life-changing. Mm -hmm. But then you've moved into this space of functional breathing, and that is, if, we, if I'm right, quite different from um, the pranayamic breathing, the Kalabhati breathing that people may have heard of mm -hmm. what you know what is the difference in in the way you practice it well I have to start with my sport which is free diving because as I'm about a year after the Vipassana retreat I moved down to the coast so I live um, near the sea now which is you know being South African by birth having grown up by the ocean it was very important for me to come back back to my roots and I've been a scuba diver for many years and I wanted to learn how to free dive because as a child I would hold my breath underwater in the pool and just I just found it very comforting <laughs> so um, I started doing free diving breath work in other words you know very much focused on diaphragmatic um, expansion and, and ex building lung volume and through my free diving research I discovered a book called The Oxygen Advantage which was written by Patrick McEwen back in 2015 and it was originally written for as breathwork for sport performance however there's a lot of information in that book around 
functional breathing, which was a term I hadn't heard of. And as soon as I read it, I was hooked because it made complete sense to me that it connected back to the Anapana or nasal breathing from the Vipassana. Mm. You know, there was the connection with free diving because of the you know, the fact that you've become more tolerant to CO2 and can exp- therefore better manage your stress response. But the kind of person I am, I wanted to understand the science behind it. You know, why was it having this effect on the mind, on the body? Mm. So I discovered that I could become a certified instructor. And I literally, no pun, in, well, pun intended, I did a, did a deep dive <laughs> and jumped in. And I qualified at the beginning of 2021. And I have been teaching ever since. Fantastic. I mean, and it was interesting because when we first talked, I had literally just been listening to a webinar where Patrick's work was referenced as being so essential to managing stress and anxiety. And I thought, well, this is the universe syncing us together here for sure. You know, uh, really, really fascinating. Um, One of the areas, of course, you work with now is perimenopausal women. But as you said, why do the changes in our hormones or the hormone fluctuations uh, impact or how do they impact our breathing? Well, this is quite new information. Um, Patrick actually worked with female doctors to really dig deep into how women's breathing is different to men's and the hormonal impact that it has on our breathing. And Whenever I share this information with, you know, female clients I'm working with, and, you know, I've got perimenopausal people who are going through the menopause and also postmenopausal, nobody's heard of it. So to be able to share it with a wider audience, I think, is absolutely crucial. But essentially, you know, as women, we have smaller lung volume, we have a smaller diaphragm, you know, and therefore our, our breathing structure structurally is different. But hormones, our sex hormones, progesterone and estrogen, as you know, you know, this is what fluctuates during pregnancy, during the menstrual cycle, and of course, menopause. And the impact of hormonal fluctuation is that it actually causes us to hyperventilate. And I think when we say that word, you you probably assume people are sort of breathing really heavily and it's very obvious it's really minimal like you wouldn't know your heart rate increases your breath volume um, increases and the body actually moves into more of a flight fight or flight state during this time and it's the, the fascinating thing about menopause now that they've discovered is that progesterone has a specific effect on the strength of the upper airway muscles. So women who have never had sleep problems or anxiety in the past, when they start going through the menopause, they suddenly experience severe anxiety or they snore or they suddenly get insomnia and they just have mm-hmm. never had that before. So yeah. it is literally connected to the, the structural ch- impact of the breathing muscles. Um, and that's just one part of it. So part of what I teach is how we can retrain the body to breathe through the nose and strengthen those breathing muscles to alleviate symptoms 
And there has been success with not just sleep and anxiety, but things like night sweats, hot flashes. There are specific breathing techniques you can implement on a daily basis to support yourself when you go through the, the menopause or pregnancy or menstrual cycle. And it is all about working with what you have, which is your mm. blood chemistry and your mm. muscles. So, um, wow, mind yeah. blow- that's mind blowing, actually. But then we hear all the reported symptom- symptoms like and sleep apnea. And I used to snore, and I was thinking I never snored before. But yes, women snore; they have sleep apnea. They they feel very anxious. I'm not. A- I mean, when you say it. It makes logical sense for me that this would be what is actually going on because, and retraining the muscles, I think in this part of the body is becoming um, a, a more recognized tool, not just for breathing, but for things like gastric reflux as well, which is very common. And this is all this kind of part of us, our esophagus, our our trachea, this part of our body that in some way is impacted by the change in our hormones. Wow. There is so much information starting to become available. But, you know, much of it was kept in white papers. And also there were mainly male doctors researching women's health. So we're seeing now an increase in female doctors that are taking the reins and saying, actually, we are the best people to really talk about this because we're experiencing it ourselves. Um, You know, and it's interesting what you mentioned, the the range of um, different problems that we have in the body can be supported with breath work. For example, asthma, you know, let's take a very simple, obvious one. I have had clients who are, have been asthmatic all their lives but are very sporty. And mm-hmm. as soon as they started to retrain their breathing muscles, they were less reliant on their asthma pump and their recovery after their sporting exercise improved dramatically. Um, yeah. We also, you know, I'm able to track the data now through wearable technology and a lot of my clients can improve their resting heart rate which is key as we get older. Yes. But I'll just, you know, for example, um, fibromyalgia, migraines, chronic mm-hmm. pelvic floor pain, panic yes. disorder. These yes. are all areas of our health that we can find solutions when you add breath work to clinical um, support. It's, a, it's not a standalone solution mm-hmm. for many people. No. But it certainly makes a difference. And we now have the medical evidence to support that, which I'm thrilled to to share with people. Yeah, I think that these things that are known probably in, shall we say, more ancient traditional ways of living and being can really dovetail with modern science. And, and I think breath is something that we haven't explored to its fullness at all. And I love that, that you are seeing results in your clients that are trackable and measurable and that that's being backed up by studies. And I think the more women only studies there are as well, rather than extrapolating from a, from a, from men was last time I looked, I'm not a small man and I don't think any other, other woman is either, you know, but that, that, that we are, we actually are 
structurally and functionally in many ways so different um, is is so important to being able to then tap into something that is essentially free. And this is the challenge that I, I see, you know, I appreciate that what I do is quite niche at this time. You know, even with Patrick McEwan's, you know, prolific um, publications um, and his social media presence, there is still that kind of reticence, like, well, we breathe anyway, so actually what difference does it make? So there is that, that kind of thinking. Then you've got other people that are curious, which is where I come in, because curiosity drives them to find out more. Um, and I think we're fighting with the fact that people know all about things like yoga, like meditation, like mindfulness, but they don't see breathwork necessarily in the same light. So I am part of my goal really is to take this message far and wide and say this is an option. It's a natural mm. solution. It works alongside, particularly with menopause, it works very well alongside HRT, which can reduce yes. a lot of the symptoms, as you know. And empowering women, because at the end of the day, we need to know, learn how to look after ourselves. You know, yeah. you can't rely on, on medicine all the time. You can't, and I, I see that with my clients. You know, they say to me, I, I wish I'd known this years ago. It would have changed my life. But then they have the tools for life and that for me is is the goal and you know you we're serving others to help them empower themselves and understanding the science I think is important not everybody necessarily wants to but I feel like as I'm not a medical doctor but I work alongside clinical psychologists you know NHS doctors in the UK and even they've said to me I've never heard of this so that just shows you that this is such a new field, but the mm -hmm. again the research that we have, the evidence, the studies that are now being done with women, um, are supporting this. So I'm I'm hopeful, very hopeful. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but I I mean I think that this fits so well into a self-regulatory. Uh, component of my of menopause as you say along with moving or, or yoga and I have to say practicing pranayamic breathing is it's quite different again I mean that requires um, a lot more I think a lot of training actually to be able to do and do well and, and you do it in very specific situations in a very specific way and we're not saying it doesn't work it can be very beneficial but again that's different to the functional breathing isn't it absolutely um at the, in the same breath i would say it is possible to do yoga breathing without breathing through your mouth and absolutely you know there's uh, there are there's a book on the subject um it's just escaped my mind it'll come back to me it's called restoring prana and it was written by Robin Rothenberg, a New York-based yoga teacher who is a, a practitioner of the Oxygen Advantage functional breathing techniques. And from what I've heard, she has the quietest yoga studio in New York because people go in, they don't breathe through their mouth, there's no heavy breathing. It's all focused on functional breathing through the nose combined with 
flexibility and uh, you know, of yoga, and it works hand in hand. So I'm sure there will be listeners that are devout yoga uh, instructors or participants, um, but it is possible, you know, and I, I use very specific yoga breathing techniques like Kapalabhati to improve my diaphragmatic flexibility for my free diving. So it's not, as I say, a standalone breath work technique. It sits alongside others. Even the Wim Hof breathing, you can bring these different techniques together and they won't won't suit everybody. Um, Some exercises will be much more challenging than others, but the basic functional breathing exercises, everybody has the ability to do them. Because if you asked me, how should I breathe on a day-to-day basis? The answer is light, slow, deep, from the nose and the diaphragm with a gentle pause after the exhale. And as simple as that might sound, the vast majority of people who breathe from their chest or are mouth breathing do not breathe that way. And it is, you know, once they learn how, because it's like anything, training for a marathon, you're going to practice. Same with your breathing. So same with any ooh. same with anything. We don't it's like learning to play the piano. It's like practicing mindfulness and meditation. All of these things are practice. And we have to learn how to do them. Well, I would on mindfulness and meditation, I think <clears throat> this is another area that I think can be very challenging for individuals coming into breathwork for the first time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always say to clients, and I've actually had people say to me, please don't make me meditate. <laughs> I just don't want to go down that road. And I know how challenging it was for me when I started, you know, mm. and it took a lot of practice. And I always say to them, look, I'm not a meditation teacher, but what I can do is teach you the breathing techniques to move you from one state into another. And you can be moved into a meditative state through the breath. So we start with something always that is tangible, which is the sensation of the breath. And we can all experience that. Some of us are perhaps more self-aware than others. But when they go through a program with me, you know, self-awareness increases greatly because you start to really look at yourself and go, wow, I recognize I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, but I now have the tools to change that. So, you know, for listeners who are thinking, oh, that, that sounds hard. I don't know if I can do that. Simple breathing techniques, and I'm happy to share one with you today on the podcast. Yeah. Um, that would be it's great. It's great to have something just simple to start with and see how you feel. Exactly. And, and uh, it's interesting, you know, obviously a mindfulness practitioner, I get lots of people going, oh, no, that's too hard, and I don't have time to do this. But actually breathing doesn't, you know, techniques can be quite quick, can't they? Mm. Meditation practices can be short. And I agree that, you know, getting into your breathing first drops you into the parasympathetic nervous system as the the dominant uh, part of your nervous system that's working so that you are actually able to quieten that crazy mind yeah. that is is sending you messages as you try to sit and that oh you must do the shopping and this is on my list and I haven't paid this bill and did I do the car insurance and why are pugs coming into my head right now 
<laughs> I think, yeah, the, if you have, if you are a typical high performing individual, and I see this with um, pro sports people, CEOs of companies, business owners, they a lot of them have perfectionist tendencies and are typical racing mind. Cannot, you know, their mind is so distracted, and technology, of course, doesn't help. And when they find these techniques and they they start to experience them for themselves, it can be absolutely revelationary because they don't think that they can do it because they assume it's going to be like meditation or mindfulness. And I say to them, look, again, we start with the breath. And if you enjoy it and you want to develop your meditation technique, then I can certainly put you in contact with people who are specialists in that field. Um, you know, there are, it's a very adaptive process. You know, the body takes time to adapt. The nervous system has to learn that it's in a safe space. Um, and individuals will have different reactions. You know, I've had people feel really tense and uncomfortable because they're not used to the level of discomfort when we do a, a breath hold, for example. And breath holds are a big part of what I teach. Not holding mm. your breath for ages, you know, that's not, you know, no, no, no. but much more about short breath holds and knowing that in that pause, you are in control and the body is safe. And the benefits yeah. of that is that you're actually oxygenating your tissues more, which is counterintuitive in most people's minds. Um, but the science will back that up and your, the way you feel is what's going to drive you to continue. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. I think we should practice, shouldn't we, Tracy? On, on the back of you describing all this, a short practice would be amazing. And listeners, join in with us to, to find out how this feels for you. Well, I'm going to do a short exercise. It normally is two and a half minutes, but I'm going to do it just for 90 seconds just to give you a sense of what it is. Um, it's a breathing recovery exercise that you can use before sleep or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep. It's also wonderful if you are training in, in sports performance, you want to, you go to the gym, you're cycling, you're running, whatever you might be doing, use it as your recovery exercise afterwards to bring the body back down, 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 regulate that nervous system. I personally like to call it the 510 because it helps me remember it. So what we will do is you'll take a gentle inhale through the nose, passively exhale, hold our breath for five seconds, and then breathe normally for 10. And breathing normally doesn't mean breathing through your mouth. So your mouth remains closed at all times, but your breathing rate is just your normal breathing rate. That's so good. if I pop my timer on, um, I can do this with you. And for the listeners, ideally, you want to be sitting up straight in the chair. Your lower back is supported. Shoulders are relaxed. Jaw is relaxed. I find it can be helpful to close your eyes and just relax into it. And, of course, if you were in bed, you could do this lying down as well. So we're going to start with a gentle... Inhale through the nose and softly exhale. Hold your breath 
for five, four, three, two, one. Breathe normally for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take us a gentle inhale through the nose and a soft exhale. Hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one. Breathe normally for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take a gentle inhale and a soft exhale. Hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one. Breathe normally for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take a gentle inhale. And a soft exhale. Hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one. Bring your breathing back to normal. Keeping your eyes closed. Just allow the body to relax and move into your regular breathing pattern. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Well, I don't know. I'd love to hear comments and feedback from the listeners, but I just felt my tension kind of drop, you know, very, very quickly. I'm suddenly feeling like, ah. <laughs> which is great but I, I loved send me a comment send me some feedback if you practiced along with Tracy and I there because oh it was incredibly wonderful I love it <laughs> I'm so pleased um, and I would also say if, if five seconds feels a little too challenging for some people just hold your breath for two seconds all we want to do is create a pause and you don't need to go beyond five either because we don't want to stress the nervous system. Oh. Um, right, yeah, that was a lot more accessible actually than the thing I did with on the webinar where we suddenly went to how long can you hold it or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is quite, this was it. And he was talking about, you know, 30 seconds and minutes and things like that. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's strong. Mm. But this felt like, you, you know, you could, move into this space and, and, and get going with it. It is, I love it. it is all about down-regulating and moving us from fight or flight into rest and digest. And as you know, you know, a healthy nervous system is a balanced nervous system. We don't want to be living in fight or flight and being hyper-aroused. And at the no. same time, we don't want to be living in rest and digest where we just don't feel any energy or activity or desire to even move perhaps so no, no. this exercise can definitely as you you know as you've rightly said it can just calm everything down and as i said before the breath holds are crucial because they help oxygenate the brain and tissues 
And it's, it's kind of a misconception. People think, oh, I'm holding my breath. I don't get enough oxygen. What's actually happening is carbon dioxide builds up in the blood rather than oxygen being, you know, depleted. And yeah. then there's a science, scientific process that takes place called the Bohr effect, whereby um, the hemoglobin proteins actually release more oxygen-rich uh, oxygen cells into the oxygen into the blood. So, wow. yeah. you know, you, you, we have these tools and when you understand how they work and the way they make you feel, you think, well, actually I can do this every day. I can be before I go to bed for five minutes or, you know, I yeah. might be walking the dog. Maybe I can just hold my breath for a short period of time. And then, you know, there, there are ways it, it's a bit like habit stacking. You know, James Clear's yes. book from Atomic Habits. You, oh, yes. You find ways to integrate your breathing into your day-to-day, -day, and that's where we see yeah. the most success. Yes, when we have, you know, the five minutes that you've given yourself at your desk, the, the as you said, the dog walking, the when you wake up before you go to sleep. And I, and, and I have to say that breathing has been talked a lot about in the context of sleep. So perimenopausal women sleep badly. And this would certainly be one of the tools that I think that could be woven more into that if that is your biggest issue, which we know, and as well as anxiety, of course, because, yeah. you know, if you've done this exercise and you are a hyper-anxious person, particularly in perimenopause, this might just notch it down when it feels like it's taking your life over. Isn't that right, Tracy? Absolutely. You know, I've... Perimenopause, as we know, you know, affects so many women unexpectedly. They don't think that they're going to go into menopause until they're perhaps in their fifties, and they've suddenly experiencing these symptoms in their thirties and forties. And sleep, the breath, and the mind are it correlated. They exist one without; they cannot exist without the other. So, if your breathing is poor, it's going to impact your sleep. If your emotional regulation is poor, it's going to affect everything. So, you know, and one of the stats I'd share with you is that once women reach menopause, there's a 200% increase in the incidences of obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. So it is high, you know, and it just very very fr frustrating for women who've never had issues with that so with sleep in mm -hmm. particular I teach a whole module on sleep hygiene and tools to support sleep in addition to the breathing exercises so mm -hmm. for example we we use mouth tape yes yeah, so that has become a very big thing here in Sweden where I live to mm -hmm. use mouth tape but not sealing the mouth shut. I think that's what people mm. think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be claustrophobic. Yeah. It's just um, over the lips, isn't it? Around the lips, or... around the outside of the mouth. Yeah. A bit yeah. like kinesiology tape where it works with the facial muscles to yes. close the mouth. So, yeah, that's so – and, of course, if your mouth is closed, where can you breathe? But your well, you won't <laughs> snore through your mouth if it's closed. And, no. you know, the other issue with sleep is deviated septums, any kind of trauma around the nasal cavity. Um, it could be genetic. Mm -hmm. It could be from medical intervention. So learning how to decongest the nose is just as important as taping the mouth. And we have mm -hmm. exercises for that as well. 
Um, wow. You know, and it, these little tips are just, I think, when people understand the benefits, it's, it's, it will make such a difference to their quality of life, which I truly hope they, <laughs> they will explore <laughs> further. I think so. And on, and on that note, Tracy, how can people find out more about your work and connect with you and explore further? Well, at the moment, I'm having a new website built, um, and I know you will pop a link into the show notes. Um, you can find me on Instagram, and you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, which is Tracy May House. And through my link tree, you can email me. Um, I do regular six-week programs where we do a deep integration of how to manage the body using the oxygen advantage techniques to better mm. to improve the you know your, your quality of breathing and life in general. I have monthly taster sessions on Zoom and I have people joining from all over the world. So you know that's an introduction to breathwork. So if you're not ready to go down the, the deep route yet, you just want to know what it's about, you can join a taster session. And in the UK I host live workshops and retreats as well. So many brilliant ways, Tracy, to get in contact with you. And I, you know, I just love the work you're doing. I love the science that's building up here. And I would encourage all of the listeners to go to Tracy's information, start digging into this, start doing it. You take, start with a taster mm. session. You've got a small snippet here and, and know that breath combined with other techniques could literally change your life and help you to go through perimenopause but give you some tools also that you can use in the next stage of life so it's not just for your perimenopause symptoms but but for life and the quality of your life and i'd be delighted to answer any questions so please uh, feel free uh, listeners to reach out um, and i will do my best to support you Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on Thriving Through Menopause and sharing some insights and fantastic passion around this new area of, of science. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Clarissa.